Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. So when you became a Christian, did you have the idea in your mind that everything was just going to turn out rosy? That then life would be smooth. That there would be very little problems. And then, after the first week or so, maybe even sooner, life hits you upside the head and you realize something. That just because you are now a believer in Jesus Christ, it does not mean that your life is going to go smooth. Why is that? be a wonderful witness to it, wouldn't it? Come to the Lord Jesus Christ and then your life will be like a rose garden. Beautiful, beautiful aroma. Beautiful until you actually touch the thorns of the flower and you realize, ow. But what a witnessing tool that would be. Come to Christ and your life will be perfect. And it's not. And sometimes what happens is you and I, we start thinking, well, I'm doing something wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that we do to add to that. We uh, we sin. We fall short at times. And we put ourselves in harm's way by doing that. And then life, again, because of the ramifications of our actions hit us upside the head. Those things do happen. But I'm just talking about just the everyday things. Losing your job. Losing loved ones. Maybe uh, losing loved ones in the sense of not talking to each other. Some of it because of your faith. But it, it's not so smooth. Well, this morning we're going to get another insight from God's perspective of why we go through the things that we do. So if you would, stand for the reading of the Word of God. And we are in Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into His grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray. Father, our prayer this morning is that we would be men and women that would understand Your loving hand upon us. The Lord, that each of us would take to heart the things that we learned this morning, growing in our faith, and again, understanding that the truth of our faith is in the One who loves us and gives us, given Himself completely to us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
Therefore, <clears throat> what is the therefore, therefore? Remember the therefore is always therefore from that which has preceded and what has preceded in chapter 4 as we learn these things. That salvation or justification does not come from works. It does not come from circumcision or ordinances, baptism or anything else you want to add to it. <clears throat> Going to church every day, that doesn't save you. The law, I mentioned the law that nobody can keep the law, so the law is not going to get you into salvation or justified. But the only way through justification is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Trust in Him what He did, not what you did. Therefore, He says, having been justified by faith, declared righteous, just as if I have never sinned. Now, in the Greek, okay, in the Greek, this is passive, meaning we have been given this. Nothing you did. Therefore, God has declared you righteous by faith. We have peace with God. Why would we have peace with God? Now, most of us like to talk about the peace of God. But no, this is speaking of the peace with God. See, Colossians help us out with this. Colossians in one twenty one says, As you once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet, na- yet now has been reconciled. See, what happened prior to this is that we were enemies of God. How were we enemies? Because God was holy and righteous. We were sinners. Iris, it's so funny because you're lifting your hand. I'm thinking you have a question. But no, you're doing something. That's okay. I know you're listening. See, now I lost my train of thought. Where am I? Oh, yeah. Peace with God. See, we were enemies at one time. But then that's what Christ did. He came into enemy territory. Took our punishment, our sin upon Himself. Went to the cross, and now we are justified, or we have been given also the peace with God. Remember when Jesus was born, what the angels said to uh, to the shepherds? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Because now there has been a way to bring peace. Where we were once enemies of God, because of our sinful nature, Christ dying for our sins has brought peace with God. So no more are we enemies with God. Now we have peace with God. What does that bring us to? First of all, understand something. Acceptance. I want you to think about that for a second. You have acceptance with God. Now, nothing you did. God built the bridge. What did you do? You walked across it. That's all you did. There's acceptance. Which brings us to the second thing we get. Through whom also we have access by faith. To God by faith. Not only acceptance, we have a relationship with God as sons and daughters. So we walk across the bridge, not as enemies anymore, but as sons and daughters. Not like Absalom, I don't know if you remember the story that he rebelled against God. I mean, David and killed his brother. He went off running and then David brought him back and David brought him back. He accepted him, but he had no access. 
No, no, we have access. It's not like God says, yeah, you you can come across, but that's it, no further. No, you have access. Why? Because now we have a relationship with God. As Galatians 3.26 says, "For For you are all sons through faith in Christ Jesus. We are now sons and daughters of God through Christ Jesus. And we have access by faith. And because of such access, when Christ died, the veil that separated us from the Holy of Holies, into His presence, has been torn. Remember when Jesus died on the cross? Remember when He said it is finished and He gave up His Spirit? Remember the veil that was in the temple? It ripped. Now the veil was, just think of it this way, it was about a foot thick. Remember those... Remember back in the, what was it, the 80s, and those big strong guys would be preaching for Christ, and they'd take telephone books and rip them in half? I don't know if you remember that. Or even big guys, that's what they used to take telephone book and rip it in half. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. No, see, back in the day, we had telephones online, and see, we didn't have any web, internet, or anything. We had to look up telephone numbers. And the book was usually, depending on where you lived, was I lived in, you know, a big county, so the book was probably about that thick. And it, and you had your number in it too. That was the white pages. So if you wanted to look me up and say, well, I wonder what Luke's doing, and I don't know his number, you'd look up in the white pages. Oh, there he is, and there was his number, and then you would call me. Now. I have no idea again why I went there, but what I'm trying to get at is now the veil has been ripped from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. It's not like man ripped it. Remember that veil was hiding, well it wasn't hiding, it was separating God, the holy ark was there, so again it represented God's presence. No one was entering God's presence except the high priest and only once a year and he'd better have blood with him. But now that veil has been ripped in two. And now everybody has access into that area. That's what God is saying. You now have access into my presence. Not only are you accepted, but now you have access as my sons and daughters come in. You are welcome. Let that sink into our hearts and minds. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh. So if you will, Hebrews is saying, really, that veil that was separating God's glory when Jesus was on this earth was His own flesh. Remember the Mount Transfiguration? Remember when He allowed His glory to shine a little bit? But again, He took His flesh and He died on the cross for us, ripping that veil that now we have access into His presence. Now I want you to know something. In the Greek, this access, it's permanent. If you will, It's a birthright. Not only you have acceptance, you have access. You and I are sons and daughters of God. Now, notice again though, through whom we also have access by faith into is this grace in which we stand. 
Stand means to stand still. It means to stand safe and sound. What in God's grace, His favor upon you. Standing in His grace, we stand in His favor. So it's not just acceptance. It's not only access. It's not only sons and daughters. But it means to stand in His presence. Now think about this. And stand in grace. Stand in favor. Why is this important? Because understand something just simply. Is that we sometimes think, okay, we're going to come into God's presence. We know we're accepted. We know we have access. But we better make it quick. Because I'm a sinful man. And I'm going to blow it. And I know He can't want me in His presence. Because please listen to me this morning. See, most of us understand something. We understand God's grace. We Basically what we're talking about, we understand the acceptance. We understand the access. We, we understand grace and unmerited favor. But we don't go the next step. God likes you. See, you say, God loves you, but you understand something. When God says, I love you, you as a parent, you understand something. You love all your children, but sometimes you don't like them. They have access and they're accepted. And they can stand in your presence. But sometimes you just don't like the way they're behaving. And we think that's the way God is with us. That He doesn't like us sometimes. The truth of the matter is, God does like you. He likes spending time with you. He likes granting us grace. He likes granting us acceptance. He likes granting us access. God likes you. Unmerited favor. It's nothing that you deserve. It's nothing that we do. So in understanding this, then we should be able to understand what it means in Hebrews 4.16, which says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God says, come on in. Boldly come on in. Trust that I like you. I love you and I like you and I desire your presence. What that would do for you and me if we would just let this sink into our hearts and minds that God wants us to come into His presence. That God wants us to sit down and talk to Him. That God wants us to bask in His glory. That God wants us to tell Him what we're going through. What's happening. Even the sin we're struggling with. The people that we're struggling with. The child that we can't figure out. God wants us to come on in. Sit down a spell. Tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what's on your mind. And don't forget something. I like you no matter what. And think of it this way. It's like, it's like somebody that really enjoys your company. Then you can call them friend. And they want to spend more time with you. 
So they do something, and you can fill in the blank. They, they, they arrange something so that you can get together. Maybe it's Husker tickets that, not just tickets, it's that, those sweets that you can get. That they, he gets and purchases this, this sweet, but the interesting thing, it's not just for a season, it's for a lifetime. I mean, he donated billions of dollars, and it's like, okay, it's your sweet. But see, the weird thing is, is not only he bought the suite, he put your name on it too as a co-owner. It's yours. You did nothing. So the first game of this, this season ticket thing, he, he's there. And, there. and the other interesting thing is because he bought the suite, food comes with it. And it's not just for football games, but whatever happens at that stadium, that's your suite. In fact, if you wanted to, you could live there. But every time there's an event, every time there's a game, there's this big buffet. And we're talking about everything you like to eat, okay? It's not like, oh, it's dog food. No, it's everything you like. And he makes sure that there's things there that you love. Because he knows you. And the first game comes, or the first event. And he's there, and he's waiting, and you never show up. And he thinks, okay, maybe maybe you were busy. And he calls you, and you oh, okay, that's fine. But then the next time it happens, again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Because why? That's the question. Why do we not just come boldly into God's presence? See, He paid it all. He calls you friend. He says, not only I love you, I like you. That's huge. It's huge for all of us. We stand in that grace. We also, if you notice, rejoice in hope for the glory of God. Now this is baffling. Jesus in His prayer said this. In John 17 He says, I do not pray for these alone, his disciples, but also those who believe in me through their word, that's you and me, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I and them. And you and me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. And have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundations of the world. See, he's not just saying, I built the bridge, come across. He's not even saying, come on, you have access, come on into the deeper inner quarters here. Come into my throne room. And not only saying, oh, because we keep thinking, oh, you spilled, get out of here, no. Oh, did you hear that? Gabriel, get this guy out of here. No, it's like, you're what my grace upon you. Stand there, don't move. 
I already know that you're messed up. But wait a minute. Listen to me. I want you to share in my glory. What is that? To be in my presence is to be in my glory. Now do you want your mind to go poof? It's this. Because you can't describe it. But it's perfect love. It's perfect glory. It's perfect majesty. It's perfect goodness. It's perfect holiness and purity. And He wants you to share in that. The glory of God, it says that in the end, that everything fades away when His glory is manifested. Except you and me and all that deserve to be there through Christ Jesus or the angelical beings come to minister Him daily. And God says, I want to share that with you. Come on in. Is that amazing? And I didn't even give it justice. Because it goes beyond our thoughts. See, I have not seen or ear heard the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But see, if you're thinking, how can this be? John says in his epistle, Beloved, now we are children of God. We have access, okay? We, we come into the throne room. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when Christ is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is in all His glory and all His perfection and all His grandeur and all His love Peter tells it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us, His children, again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Not only acts, acceptance, access. Not only the grace that we stand in. Not only the glory that we bask in. But the truth of the matter is in you and I shall be made perfect. No more sin. No more struggle. No more flaw. No more failure. No more wondering if the person next to you likes you. You're not going to be up there going, does Gabriel really like me? He kind of said something there and I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, I just don't feel welcome in his presence. No. None of that. You belong. And you'll be reminded that you belong. Not by anything that you did, but what God did for you. In Christ Jesus, we rejoice in the hope that has been given to us, revealing the glory of God. And we shall share this hope that's a living hope. That my life is here in this earth, and this is where we have to hit the road. Because if you notice now in verse 3, it seems like it takes a turn, but stay with me. 
And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. We glory in struggles. We glory in trials. That word means pressing together as of grapes. It's affliction, distress, anguish, trials. Glory? Why? Because, see, the Beloved One says this to us. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. God, in His mercy, knowing and His grace and His love, Knowing that you and I were enemies, He sent His Son into enemy territory to build the bridge to give us acceptance and access and standing in His grace. But still, Jesus reminds us we're in enemy territory now because since we've come to Christ, then everything in this world, Satan himself and his demons and our very own old nature, our flesh, are against Him. And if it's against Him, then we're against it. There's a battle raging in you and I. There's a battle that can be won because Jesus overcame the world. Now Romans 8.28 you're very familiar with. To understand the struggles and the trials But did you ever read further than that? We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. All these things that have happened, the trials, the tribulations, the struggles, the hurt, the pain, the shame, God is using for His purpose and for His glory. Why? See, for whom He foreknew, which is you and me, all so predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, which we've already spoke about, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called, that's you and me, whom He called, these also He justified, He's declared us righteous. And whom He's declared righteous, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? Whether it be the world, whether it be Satan himself or his demons, or a very old nature. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And the word that each of us should say is nobody. When my son Micah was young, His name means who is like Jehovah. And I would say to him, Bear, who is like Jehovah? And he and his little voice would say, Nobody. Nobody. Nobody is like Jehovah. Nobody is like the God who loves you. The God who likes you. The God who has granted acceptance and access that calls us to stand in His grace and His mercy to understand that anything that happens on this earth 
that God is using it for His purpose, conforming you into the image of His Son. But see, tribulation also produces perseverance, which means endurance also. It comes from a word that, remain, that means to remain or abide under. The pressing. So He will not swerve from His purpose and loyalty to His faith in His Lord. That He will allow God to mold and to shape Him. That God will let, He will allow God to take the pressures and the struggles of His life and let Him do His wonderful work in each of us. Of understanding that the only times we're ever going to suffer is on this earth. The only times we're going to struggle is here on this earth. So what can be the purpose of all this? First of all, it's to understand all experience tribulation. It's also to understand that God knows how much we can bear. Also to understand that God uses it to shape, to mold, to what? Verse 4, character. It's character. It's that which now is ours. You and I are being conformed to the image of His Son because we are sons and daughters. That God wants us to understand that here on this earth we may never fully understand on this earth our acceptance, our access, and to stand in grace. That we continue battling with, do we really should rejoice in the hope of the glorious future that we have? Wavering back and forth. But the truth of the matter is, is once you receive, once you enter in, once you are in heaven, there will never be another doubt. That you will stand again only and truly because of what Christ has done for you and for me. And now God is at work sanctifying each of us. And remember, sanctification is, is that you already been declared righteous by God. Sanctification means that when you get to heaven, you will be perfect. But on this earth, the only place of trial and tribulation that you will ever experience, God is doing a work in you and through me. Again, quoting from Peter, Peter says, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved with various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, as the Word help us to anchor our faith in the One that is faithful, that the Word of God continues to minister to us, that through the fiery trials, we understand something, we just learn something, What we've been granted acceptance, we've been granted access, we've been called sons and daughters, that God likes us, 
that God declares to us that everything that happens in your life has a purpose. You may not understand it here, but you will. You must trust me. It's called faith. Faith in me that the work that I am doing, it will be done. The work that I am doing in you is perfect. Stop looking at your trials. Stop looking at your circumstances. Stop looking at your struggles. Keep your eyes on me and understand I'm at work. Paul understood this. Paul says this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. What's he saying? I understand something, he would tell us. I didn't deserve any acceptance. See, I was a sinner of all sinners, chief of sinners. But he accepted me. He granted me access into his presence and his grace. I stand and I live in his grace. Knowing this, knowing that his hope that he's given to me, that what I see here on this earth, I've been given a glimpse of what waits me up there. And the comparison can't even be compared to light and darkness. I've seen it. I've seen the finish line. And because of that, I understand something. That through the struggles and trials that I've gone through, the robberies, the muggings, being in the ocean 24 hours, bobbing up and down, being beaten, being abandoned, all these things are meaningless. I see the finish line. I'm running. See, I didn't just cross the bridge. I'm running. Uh, I don't just walk into His presence. I run. I don't just run to stand in the sense that I have nothing else to do and I'm out of breath. No, I run and stand and just bask in His glory. That I understand He likes me. I understand that's the finish line. I'm running into His arms. Can we just sing that? I run into His arms. Now some of us take that and go, can I be so bold? See, there's something about you and me that has flawed our character. That's ah, part of human nature. You know what it is? To be rejected. It's one of the greatest fears of each of us. I don't want to be rejected. That's why a guy won't approach that girl that he is and just so infatuated with. Uh, that's why the girl 
won't be in the presence of that boy. Or the boy won't, if you will, apply to that university. Or that girl to that job. Because nobody likes to be rejected. That's why divorce is such a heartfelt pain. There's a feeling of rejection. Kids that rebel against their parents, the parents feel rejected. They are the children that have no love from their parents. They feel rejected. So your fear and my fear is that we run into God's presence and He would reject us. Paul says, no. I run and He embraces me. We can all say that. Run into His presence. We are embraced. Acceptance, access, sons and daughters, hope. He likes me, never rejects me, embraces me. With character, hope. Seeing clear that which by the natural eye cannot perceive, but the eyes of faith, fixed on Christ, becomes more evident. Because you see, we all with unfilled face are beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed. Let me read that a little better. My memory was shaken. But we all with unveiled face were beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So now we understand it a little clearer. See, the reason why, too, God wants us to stand in His grace, to stand in His glory, is to behold His face. To behold His face is to change us. Did you ever notice that Jesus was able to touch those that were unclean and not be contaminated? And yet we fear that God would somehow be contaminated by our presence. Rejected. Never. Because this hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured or gushed or shed abroad in our hearts. We are recipients of God. The very God that desires for us to come into His presence so that He can just pour His love in us. And it's revealed and manifested by the fact that this holy God now takes residence in each of us to remind us of these truths and especially we are loved. Now, I'm going to attack that Scripture next week a little deeper, but I just want to finish with this. We have been declared righteous. We've been accepted in Christ. 
We've been granted access as sons and daughters. We're standing in His grace, His favor. God likes us. Rejoicing in the hope of the glory God has given to us. Of being transformed into Christ's image. Given the Holy Spirit who pours the love of God into our hearts. I am a recipient of His love. Tribulations. What's that? You see, we know all things do work together for good to those who love God and that are called according to His purpose. Why? To see we can have the confidence of this very thing that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. It is finished. And all heaven and earth will say, Amen. Let's pray. Father, these are truths that really are hard for us sometimes to grasp because of our own failures. Forgive us. We're not even taking advantage is the wrong word. You have given us a right, a birthright, because of Christ Jesus, not because of us, not by anything that we've done, not by our works, not by keeping of the law, but the truth that Christ did it all. He paid it all. He granted us acceptance and access. We're clothed in Him. And that clothing will become more and more a part of who we are as we stand in Your grace, beholding Your glory. Of understanding that Your acceptance of us, that You also like us. And the hope that we have passes our understanding. That the truths that we've learned this morning, Lord, really would transform the way we live on this earth. My prayer for each of us, Lord, that we would stand in these truths. That we would stand in Your presence. That we would come boldly, daily, for some of us, hourly, for even some of us, every minute of the day. Understanding that we stand in your grace and acceptance and love. I don't know what everybody's going through here, Lord, but you do. You don't know their tri- I don't know their trials or struggles, but you do. You don't know that sin that keeps popping up and chewing on them, but you do. You don't know, or you do know, I don't know their past and their hurts and their pains. But you take it all and you make it right. You make it good. Help us, Lord, to rest in these truths. 
Help us, Lord, to run home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.